as we draw near to Easter, and as today is uh, Palm Sunday, and as we, we saw in the scripture passage earlier, the, the, the crowds coming out and greeting Jesus and celebrating his arrival into Jerusalem, little truly understanding or knowing what was about to, to happen within just a week. They go out and they, they proclaim him the son of David. They cry out, Hosanna. And then a week later, not even a week later, just five days later, four days later maybe, there's another crowd yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning as Jesus has gone through the trials, and even though Pilate finds no guilt in him, he is handed over to be crucified and to go to the cross. And what we're going to look at is, is a rather large section, but there's, there's lots of people acting in, in this final stage of going to the cross, and Jesus is dying on the cross. You've got the crowd that's following him, and they're not all negative. They're not all crying out for his crucifixion. There's quite a few people who are uh, very upset about what's happening. And then there are people who are just jeering and mocking Jesus. They think they're winning in what they are doing. And then there's two people who are crucified next to Jesus. But above all else, the person who is the most in charge of the whole thing is the guy right at the center of it, Jesus. He still has things to teach. He still has things to say, even as he is uh, executed on the cross. Some of what he has to say is for us. Warnings about coming suffering, as we've been looking at uh, last week, we looked at his teaching to the church that we would be prepared and ready to expect tribulation and suffering, and yet not to place our trust in ourselves to come up with a good answer, but to rely upon Him. Now we see Jesus taking this idea, even as He is the one who is suffering, as He is the one who is going to the cross, He has warnings to give to us as well. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and look at this. It's in Luke chapter 23, and we're going to begin at verse 26. And they have just released Barabbas and Pilate has handed Jesus over to be uh, crucified. And I always find it interesting that, that Barabbas had been arrested and was going to that cross for insurrection and murder against Rome. And here Jesus is now going to take his place and go to the cross for being the king of the Jews. For being the one who has come to save, and yet the Pharisees and the, the priests, they, they have had him arrested for basically an insurrection against themselves. So now we pick it up in verse 26. When they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. How, how, do, how would you like that to be Simon, to... He's just coming in. He woke up. He's coming in. It's the normal time of day to be coming in to celebrate the Passover. And he gets pressed into service to carry the cross. He wasn't involved in any of the 
proceedings. But because the Romans have the ability, they have the authority to force a Jew to carry any burden for them for one mile. And because Jesus, apparently from his scourging, is too weak to carry his crossbeam, which is required of the, the, the uh, prisoners, they take Simon and they make him carry it behind Jesus. And so following him was a large crowd of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. There were women who were following behind. And, and we're not to understand necessarily that this is the women who followed Jesus in his ministry. Much like when a person died in that culture, you could hire women to come and wail and weep and mourn. Well, chances are what these women did is that's what they did for the prisoners. This was maybe a normal activity that would go on that you would have, just as we have today, what do we have? A bunch of activists that like to stand outside and picket when somebody is being executed, right? They had people that were actively working against the Romans. They had people that had a, a function of we're going to make as much of noise as we can when the Romans do these things. They don't necessarily have any heartfelt desire to, to weep over Jesus, but they are following him with a crowd, and there are women there who are mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, and this is why it's a pretty good idea, these are not his followers. Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. This is it's not the time to weep. Weep for yourselves. Weep for your children. Don't weep for me. I'm going to the cross. Don't weep for me. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. In other words, it's better not to have children. Better are you if you were barren and didn't have children to see what happened to them. That's, that's bad things. That's bad times is what he is predicting for them. This is similar to when Job said, I, I wish I had never been born. How, how much better it would have been had I been stillborn or maybe not even ever conceived. He says to them, uh, then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Well, Jesus is, is saying, uh, and in that last little paragraph, what he's, uh, there, uh, parable, what he's saying there is, if they will behave this way when the tree is green. Now, nobody, nobody unless you're severely desperate, nobody goes out, chops down a tree, and starts burning the wood that day. That tree has life in it. It is green. For one thing, it doesn't burn very easily. For a second thing, there's so much sap and life in it that it will smoke terribly. You, you, you let the wood dry out. But he's saying if they will do these things, if they're going to do this, when the tree is green, when the life is abundant and ready, and it's not the time for burning, but if they do this, what will happen when it is dry? In other words, this is not the worst that it's going to be. Because when wood is dry, it is ready to be burned, right? When it is dry, it is fuel. 
And so what he is saying is, is you think this is bad, the tree is green. Not much is getting lit. But the day is coming when the wood will be dry. What will happen then? Now there's some debate and some question about who are the the these when the tree is green? Is he talking about the Romans that even though they acknowledge that Jesus is innocent, they're still willing to take him to the cross and crucify him? If he, they are willing to treat somebody who is innocent this way, what will happen to the Jewish people in AD 70 who are rebellious against Rome? Which he had talked about in our previous passage last week. Is that what he is talking about? He's talking about a time and a place in the future when things will be so bad, people will say, blessed are the barren. And and, and we have to remember that in Jesus' time, to be barren was a curse. To not have children was to be viewed as to be somebody who was under divine punishment. There is something wrong about you. You have done something wrong that God will not bless you with children. So to go from that mentality to saying, blessed are the barren, That is a a huge upset in the way of the world. And that's talking about how awful things will be. That they would even cry out and say, let the mountains fall on us, to the hills cover us. Now that's a quote from Hosea. And it is a quote about God's judgment. It's a quote about the people saying, I wish I were dead, that I wasn't going to have to live through any more of this. May the mountains just fall on me. May May the hills cover me as... May I be dead and buried. It is not praying for protection. It is praying for an end. And he's saying that's the, that's the attitude that will happen that's coming in the future. And so as we, we consider that and then look to verse 31, what I think he is saying is that if they do these things when the tree is green, if, if, if the people, the, the leaders of Israel, if the Romans will crucify me if they will do this today. Notice he doesn't say what will they do. He just says what will happen. What will happen when it's dry? And so there is a little bit of God allows this to happen. God is permitting his son to go to the cross. God is permitting this this behavior from the leadership and from the Romans. And if God is willing to permit Jesus, who is innocent, to go to the cross. What will happen when the wood is dry? What will happen when it is time for judgment? What will happen? What what Jesus is telling them is that the, the, the leadership think they're getting rid of a problem. But no, He has actually come to save us from what is coming. And, and what is coming is the sure judgment of God. God's judgment is coming, is what he is telling them. He's saying it's not the time to weep. Now is not the time to weep. I'll tell you when to weep. Weep when God's judgment comes. Because God's judgment is coming. It is a sure thing. And if if God is permitting and allowing his son to go to the cross today, then there will be a time when Everything is finished. Everything is complete. When, 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 you know, just like when the Israelites went into the Canaan, it was, it was the time. And, and God told Abraham, 
the, the time is not over yet for the, the people of this land, so I'm going to send your descendants down to Egypt and they're going to they're sojourn there for a while, but I'm going to bring them out when the time is right for the judgment of Canaan. And the same thing happens throughout when the time is, of judgment comes. And there is a day of the Lord that is ahead of us that is not here yet. But when it is right, when the wood is dry, that fire is going to be lit. And when that happens to those who have rejected Jesus, they are going to weep for themselves and for their children. They're going to beg that the mountains would fall on them. They are going to say how blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore. God's judgment is coming. We don't like the idea of judgment in America today, do we? The refrain, you can't judge me, don't judge one another. We, we hear that constantly. To thine own self be true. You know, as long as I'm doing me, you do you, I'll do me, and we'll all be, you know. No, there's, there's judgment. You, you can't constantly be going against God forever. We can't constantly be out of step with the Lord forever. You, you can't build a building and ignore the fact that your plans called for a certain kind of foundation. And if you, you build the building with a different kind of foundation, sooner or later it's going to fall. You, you can't just disregard it. Judgment is going to come. It is going to fall on us. And that is what Jesus is warning these daughters of Jerusalem, these women who are wailing over Him, who don't comprehend what's happening. They're just trying to get a little kick in on the Romans. We're told in verse 32 that as Jesus is going to the cross, two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with Him. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified Him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus was looking at what's going on, even the, the, the daughters of Jerusalem wailing, the, the Roman soldiers, even the, the priests and the Pharisees, and all that they're doing. He says they, they just don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. And He asks God to forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know. They don't see. They don't perceive. They think they know what they're doing. The, the priests think they're getting rid of a, a problem in their lives. The Romans think they're keeping the peace. If we just take care of this, the, the priests and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, they'll, they'll pipe down and we'll, we'll, we'll be able to press on. We'll get through the turbulent Passover season without a major uprising, which is probably what the Romans are looking for every year. How can we get through this without too much rioting and looting as these people worship their God? And yet they don't understand what they're doing. But Jesus forgives them anyway. We see what they don't understand. At first they cast lots, dividing up His garments among themselves. They take His garments and they're just gambling over it while He dies. Verse 35 tells us, And the people stood by looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at Him, saying, He saved others. 
Let him save himself if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. These are bold people, aren't they? They acknowledge that he has saved other people. They acknowledge that he uh, healed other people. They, they acknowledged even that maybe they've heard of that he raised them from the dead. We know in the Gospel of John that Jesus' raising of Lazarus was known to the priests, and they were even plotting how they might kill Lazarus to get rid of that issue. He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. So the, the, the rulers are mocking him. They're sneering at him. Then we have in verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. They're getting in on the fun. You know, you have two choices when somebody's being picked on, right? You can join in or you can maybe set yourself up to get picked on as well. Isn't it just a lot easier just to join in with the crowd? So the Romans have their own laugh. Oh, the king of the Jews, are you? Save yourself then if you're so great. And then not only that, the Romans went so far. uh, In verse 38, there was also an inscription above him. This is the king of the Jews. I mean, they they were piling on. They were having a good old laugh. Because think of it, in their minds, the Jewish people are conquered. They are lame. They are foolish. And now we're holding up the great fool king of the Jews on his throne, the cross. And yet they don't understand. That proclamation is telling the truth. Yes, this is the king of the Jews. Not only do all of the people that are watching and the the leaders and then the soldiers, but now in verse 29 we're told one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. This guy's got a lot of time on his hands to be able to to hurl abuse at somebody else on a cross next to him. You would think he'd have enough trouble of his own. But yet he has the strength, the energy, the, the, the spirit within him to mock Jesus next to him, to hurl abuse at him even as he is dying. In in all of these people, we see something of the people of the world today. There are those who are surely dying. They are on their way out of life, and yet they can only hurl abuse at Jesus Christ. That no matter how far they have gone, no matter what sins they have committed, at the end of it, they are so full of anger and hate and venom, they just hurl it at Jesus no matter what. And then you've got the people that think they're so sure of themselves and they might even recognize what Jesus has done, but they're not willing to believe Him. They mock Him instead. They sneer at Him as the the rulers and the soldiers did. And yet, what did we see earlier from Jesus? Prior to any of that activity, prior to the rulers, prior to the soldiers mocking Him, prior even to the other criminal uh, hurling abuse at him, Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And so, as we see God's judgment coming, that God's judgment hangs over 
all of us. God's judgment hangs over the rulers and over the soldiers, and that criminal is closer than any of them to God's judgment. As that is surely coming, we see that Jesus loves those who mock Him. That Jesus' love is for those, even if they are attacking Him, mocking Him, hurling abuse on Him, Even as God's judgment is sure, you cannot remove God's judgment from His love for us as well. That God is not willing to leave us in His judgment. That He is not willing to uh, just burn up the whole world. But know that He has sent His Son to die on the cross that He might save the world. And remember John 3.17, For the Father did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus loves even those who mock Him. Those who mock Him today, who laugh at Him, who sneer at Him, who laugh at His followers, Jesus loves them. And His desire is to keep them from the judgment that they so richly deserve. The judgment that we so richly deserve. He did not send the Son of the world to judge the world, but to save it. We do see a different reaction. You've got a person who on one side of Jesus is mocking Him, and then on the other side, in verse 40, the other answered and rebuking Him said, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. Like it's, it's one thing for the soldiers to mock. It's one thing for the priests to mock. But you're under the same condemnation. You're about to meet your Maker. Don't you at least fear God of what you're about to face of what you're about to go through? Don't you even fear God since you're under the same sense of condemnation? And then in verse 41, he says, And we indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. He says, he says, you and I have a right to be here. It is right and proper that we are on this cross. We deserve what we are getting. We deserve this for the deeds that we have done. We are suffering justly. This man recognizes that his being on the cross is the payment for his sins that he has done. He acknowledges what he has done and he acknowledges that it is right for them to crucify him. And he is saying to the, his, his buddy there, and, and I've got to believe that these guys knew each other. My, my thoughts on this as I've looked at uh, all four of the Gospels and the, you know, all the little tidbits that we get of these two men and of Barabbas is, is that most likely they were all arrested together uh, this, this calls them criminals. Some translations call them thieves. But overall, throughout the Gospels, the idea and the language that is used is insurrectionists of Barabbas, but also of these two guys elsewhere. And, and so, chances are, three men were going to be crucified that day no matter what. These two guys and their buddy Barabbas. Barabbas was well known. Barabbas was so awful that Pilate thought nobody would 
want him to be released for the Passover. I can get Jesus out safe. But instead the crowd wanted Barabbas instead of Jesus. So Barabbas walks scot-free. These two guys still get to go to their cross. Jesus only took one of the crosses away. The other two guys went. But this guy recognizes what he has done and that he is deserving of these. We are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. He he is aware enough of what's going on in the world in that time and place. He knows who Jesus is, and he has pronounced judgment that Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. He knows... He knows what's going on. He sees it. And he recognizes it and acknowledges it. And then, turning to to Jesus, in verse 42, and he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Now just, just think about, what did it take to get this guy to this place? That he would... Everybody around him is sneering and mocking and hurling abuse at Jesus. Jesus is on a cross dying. He has had his back ripped up with the whips. He has a crown of thorns on his head. He has nails through his hands and his feet. He is on that cross. And this guy, this this other criminal, somehow gets to the point where he believes Jesus is king. When you come into your kingdom. To have a kingdom, you must be a king. So it's Jesus' kingdom. He is a king. So he proclaims and acknowledges Jesus is a king. But secondly, he says, remember me when you come into it. So not only does he believe Jesus is a king, but he believes that Jesus will obtain his kingdom, that his kingdom will come at some day And he just wants Jesus to remember him. In other words, take me along with you when that day comes. Remember me, bring me into it, however. Whether he's understanding fully the resurrection of the dead, we can't say for sure. But he is placing his hope in that moment in Jesus. Not that he will be taken off the cross. The other guy's like, hey, why don't you get us off the cross? If you're so great, if you're the king, if you're the the Messiah, save yourself and us. This guy's not even saying that. He says, I deserve it. And he has no expectation that Jesus is even going to live. He just says, remember me. He he can't maybe even comprehend fully what he's asking. He doesn't fully understand. He just trusts and hopes and believes in Jesus. When Remember me when your kingdom comes. What, What did it take to get this guy to that place? It's an amazing statement that he makes and jesus's response in verse 43 he said to him truly i say to you today you shall be with me in paradise the 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 criminal was saying whenever you know when that day comes would you remember me when you come into your kingdom and and jesus one-ups him says today today you will be with me in paradise today the 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 thief never uh, was was saved as far as you know never accepted Jesus into his heart like we would talk about it he he was never baptized he never took the lord's supper 
never became a member of a church, never did any discipleship, didn't give one cent. And yet, he did enough to accept Jesus' death on the cross for his sins. And Jesus said, you will be with me today in paradise. What we see there is as, as, as we have God's coming judgment and, and Jesus' love for those that mock Him, His love for the world, that He would take on God's judgment. And that's what He is doing. He is experiencing the, the, the criminals, as this one man says, is we are receiving what we deserve. We are rightly judged. We are receiving our judgment, but Jesus does not deserve this. He is not receiving His judgment. He is receiving our judgment. He is receiving the judgment of God upon humanity. And yet, that criminal placed his hope in Jesus. And I, I do mean hope, not just faith. You know, a lot of people, they, they believe or we have faith. But what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. This, this man does not see it, but he hopes. And his hope is in Jesus. And salvation comes to those who hope in Jesus. Salvation comes to those who, who, who hope in Him. And how do we live out that hope? That's called faith. Faith is the assurance. Faith is the living out. Faith is the making real that hope we have in Him. This man, he can't do any of those things, but he hopes in him. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus has got better things in store for this criminal than he could imagine. Now, <laughs> there's a flip side to that. That criminal was just told, this isn't going to take long, pal. This isn't going to take long today. We know from the historical record of the Gospels that uh, to keep the, from having the, the men up on the cross overnight as the Passover was going in uh, the Romans came and they broke their legs and so this man had his legs broken and uh, shortly thereafter suffocated to death because he could not push himself up to breathe on the cross it was a way of bringing about the death quicker which honestly is a bit of a, a blessing for those men because they would have sat up there possibly for a week but they would have been up there for days at least, dying slowly and agonizingly. But Jesus says, no, it's today. Today you will be with me in paradise. And then we're told in verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour, which is about noon. And darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour because the sun was obscured. And some people like to say, well, maybe it was a lunar eclipse or something, but no, uh, it was a full moon at that time. Passover happens at a full moon, so no eclipse. Something else that we cannot explain through nature. The sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God saying, certainly, this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts, 
feeling the weight and the loss of Jesus' death. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee, different than the daughters of Jerusalem right there, the women who accompanied him from Galilee, were standing at a distance, seeing these things. What Luke is telling us there, as Luke said at the very beginning, is that he, he examined and, and interviewed many people to get to the truth and the historical accuracy of what Jesus has done. And what he is saying here is, is that many people saw this happen. His acquaintances, the women who accompanied him, they were seeing these things standing at a distance. The crowd who were the, together for this spectacle, they left after this happened. Even a centurion who was in charge of what was going on saw what had happened. He began praising God, saying, certainly, this man was innocent. I always find it ironic that the rulers say, he saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God. And then the the soldiers say, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Because it is precisely because Jesus is saving others that He cannot save Himself. It is precisely because as King of the Jews He must die for His people. He cannot save Himself. Everybody else thought He was failing. They all thought they were greater than Him. They all thought thought they were stronger than Him. And yet, by not saving Himself, Jesus has saved us. They don't understand what they're doing. But Jesus, by not saving Himself, by staying up on that cross, and I firmly believe it was not the nails that kept Him up there, it was not the Roman soldiers that kept Him up there, it was His own will kept Him up there. A man who can walk on water, who can raise dead men from the grave, who can still storms, surely... He can handle a few nails and some wood. He had all the power necessary. And he used all that power to make sure that he did not save himself. He willingly and willfully went to the cross that he might die for us. Because God's judgment is coming. And though... Humanity mocks at God and we mock at Him with how we live our lives. It's not just the atheists who uh, celebrated their national holiday yesterday. We often mock at God with our, our lives and our wisdom. But He loves us. He loves us. And He went to the cross that those who would hope in Him might have salvation. He saved us by not saving Himself. And that is what He offers us. Salvation from the judgment to come. Salvation from what we truly and rightfully deserve. The punishment of our sins. My prayer for us today is that we would see what Jesus has done. The suffering that He went through. And that we would not be like the the priests and the soldiers of that one criminal mocking at him, laughing at him, saying, well, save me. Save yourself. Don't go through this. There's a lot of people today that will say, I don't need to believe in Jesus to go to heaven. Or or, why do I need to believe in Jesus? Why do I need to become a Christian? Why do I need to? Why doesn't he just save everybody? He died on the cross for everybody. Why doesn't he just do everything 
for us. No need to respond. Let me live my life the way I am going, and then when I get to the end, just bring me on in. No. No, we need to be like that second criminal who recognized his sin, who recognized that he deserved that death, and yet who looked to Jesus with hope and said, remember me. How fitting that we have participated in a in an act where we say we do this to remember Jesus. And yet our cry of our heart needs to be, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we pray today that we would hope in Jesus Christ. That we would look at the cross and His suffering and His shame and recognize that we deserved it. That that was for us. We pray, Lord, that, that we would place our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ. We thank You, Father, that Jesus was willing to die that we might live. To save us from the judgment that we deserve. Your righteous and holy judgment upon us, Lord. We thank You that You have loved us. We thank You that in Your love for us, You sent Your Son, that You would not leave us in our sin, but redeem us. We pray, Lord, that we would hope in Jesus, that we would have Your salvation, that You would remember us, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.